My dear friends, welcome to another episode of the Inevitable Podcast. As you know, I'm your host, Pedro Sorin. Um, I spend my time being a venture capitalist, author, entrepreneur, uh, work hard, trying to lose all my COVID belly. Um, and that has been working out pretty well, actually. But, you know, I'm also the founder, managing partner of Atman. Um, we're a close community of founders and investors playing long-term games together. As you know, uh, my life mission is to partner with inevitable people. And in this episode, I had the honor of uh, talking to my friend um, Alexandre Liuzzi, or Alex Liuzzi, I guess, for all the Americans listening. He's the founder of Remessa Online, which is a Brazilian company founded in 2016, providing international payments and money transfer solutions through a robust cross-border infrastructure. Uh, they've been around for about five years and grew from a team of three to a little over 200 with uh, over 350,000 customers having transacted more than $3 billion over 527,000 operations. So you can say that they you know, know a thing or two about moving money around the world. And in this episode, aside from talking about Remessa, you know, we also dive into Alex's background in asset management, investment banking, all the lessons that he has learned building his own venture builder in LATAM, and then his focus and decision to dedicate more and more time towards uh, Remessa Online. I hope you like it. I really enjoyed recording this episode. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, first and foremost, for, for being here. I think very much appreciate our relationship. I think we've known each other for a while now, huh? Uh, what, maybe seven years, probably? Something around that. Six exactly, six to seven years. Since, since the beginning, yes, since it all yes. started. For yes, me as interpreter. Yes, that's right. Uh, and you were, uh, you were born and raised in, in Sao Paulo, right? Okay. And yep. how was the decision to actually go and study abroad in, um, in, in Chicago? It was, you know, something that I've always wanted to do uh, since college. It actually, it, it takes back to, I wanted to do an, ex, uh, an, an exchange program in Germany back in high school. It was going to be the first year of high school. Um, Obviously, I screwed up. I was pretty, you know, back then agitated. Uh, so I ended up not being allowed by my father to to go to to leave one month abroad in Germany. <laughs> what so did you when do? I was looking for, <laughs> ah, I got okay. wasted. <laughs> but I was okay. I was the pro. I had fourteen, fifteen, something, um, and then you know was it was I got accepted in the program. So as a celebration to the acceptance of the, pro of the program, I got wasted. And then, you know, my father was like, okay, if you're doing this here, imagine what you're going to do in German. And then, you know, I was not allowed to go. But then anyways, the fact that I, I, I've, when I was looking for a college in Brazil, I was looking for colleges that had an exchange program. Um, and then specifically the ones that could have, you know, one that could leverage my career. So since the beginning, I was looking to, to, to do the exchange program. And that's how I started. I started in the college in Brazil. 
now it's called Inspur, back then it was IBMEC. And then um, since the first semester, I was like, okay, I wanna do an exchange program. How do I qualify? Uh, they, you know, required you to have, you know, good grades. You couldn't have any, you know, you had to have kind of like scoring in the top 10% of the class. Uh, at the time it was very competitive, the process. And then um, I was able to, to, to get selected to the program for University of Chicago. And that's how I got there for the first quarter. And then I decided to stay for another quarter. And then in the second quarter, I, was, I developed relationships with uh, a few of the professors. I was going to the office hours. And back then, I was very determined that I wanted to, to go for an MBA or maybe a PhD in the U.S. And, and because of the grades I had and the relationships, they, they invited me to transfer. So I transferred college to the University of Chicago and then ended up doing like nice. three years there. Nice. That's great. What was your GPA? 3.76, nice. I think, uh, for economics, and then 3.5 overall. I was a uh, dean's list. That is, is means it's, it's not honors because in Chicago you have to do a application to be honors, but it's uh, it's uh, above the average of nice. top average of the school. It's funny. So about the MBA, like I think you you and I, I think we've both really really considered it and ended up not doing it. Today, for me, I would never do it. I see it as a massive waste of time for opportunity cost and financial cost. I can just grab that money uh, and invest um, and learn what I need to learn on a day-to-day -day basis. But uh, what? And I went deep into qualifying if I wanted to do an MBA or not. There were uh, two specific moments in my life. I, I ended up, I was counting, then I had a spreadsheet. I interviewed 54 MBAs <laughs> just to really get you that decision. I visited every campus. So how was your decision-making towards doing an MBA um, in, or, or not doing an MBA? Because I think that's a question that a lot of people in our world uh, have, right? Yeah, so basically, the, 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 you know, when I was at VELT, at the fund, uh, you know, they, they also thought it would be a waste of time. Uh, we would, I was already evolving there a lot. So when the opportunity arise, it was when I left the fund and I was looking for, uh, uh, be, you know, getting something in tech. So, you know, I can explain later what, how was this movement, but when the MBA was possible for me, because of the fact that my career was developing a lot, I, I didn't find time for it. When it became possible, it was right before I started uh, uh, more ventures and I started, you know, my, my whole story here that led up to MS Online. Uh, so the fact was that I ended up using the money that I was going to use to an MBA. I invested everything in starting eGenius back then. Um, and I had a real life MBA. So that, that's what was what happened. So the decision was, okay, I started and then, okay, it doesn't make sense anymore for me. I'm, you know, learning so much by doing it. Um, so an MBA is not. Yeah, for me, now. it was so it was similar as well. I remember having the conversations and, you know, folks were like, look, uh, I'd love to, you know, I'm doing the course so that I can work at a venture back company that goes really well. 
And I was already at SendGrid. And then, uh, you know, we had a great outcome on public and they were acquired. And then the second time was, I want to get a job in venture capital. And I had a job in venture capital. So uh, I will not deny I do have a few gaps in terms of hard skills. But the reality is, is you know, for instance, um, that's something that I think people overlook quite a lot is that in life, I think it's just so important for you to learn how to learn. And then you break problems apart in small little pieces and you learn what you need to learn at that moment. So, you know, the first exit, um, I was responsible for taking care of the first exit that, uh, for the first fund that at one VC and I've never done that before. Um, and, um, uh, I was a little nervous, but at the same time I got it done and you know, you had good lawyers and that's it. You just, you learn, um, on, on the go. And, uh, I also for, for all the classes that I've watched, um, at all the best schools, so you know Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, uh, Columbia, MIT, uh, uh, Anderson, at UCLA, uh, Booth. Uh, I always felt that there's just like this, like forty percent of like almost like a like a an etiquette that is just really weird. I don't like the way that the classes are structured with the little plates and the names and people just raising their hands and it seems so artificial because we, you know, I think we play in the arena every day <laughs> building businesses and uh, it's nothing like that. <laughs> so, you know, for me, so that was kind of like having those two experiences for me, it just, it didn't add up, um, especially with the debt and you look at like, look, I can just, you know, I mean, it's more productive. You can get, get that money by Amazon stock. You'd be better off. And you know, it's for, for, I, I do believe that it makes sense people that are looking to recycle the career sometimes they're looking for some time to to get an idea or you know in terms of like network um, I do see there's you know a lot of networking that would could leverage uh, uh, you know connections uh, raise capital or even like having someone to partner with to start a business uh, but when things are in motion uh, I don't see a reason to stop what you're doing to do an MBA, it, 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 it's tough. You, it, you have so much, if you have the discipline, there's so much you can learn by yourself. There's so much you can exchange knowledge and then you can build your own network. You did that, Pedro. And uh, you know, that's something I admire on you, the, the, the way that you, you hustled <laughs> your way into venture capital. Uh, uh, but it, you know, it, there's a way. You didn't have to do any you know, Ivy League school to create the connections and, and, and it, it is, it is something that you can build yourself. Um, so I, I do see that is you know there's there are applications for some people, but you know when things get in motion. So for now, the the fact that I've learned so much this past six years by doing it, I don't I, I've I consider myself already with an MBA in entrepreneurship because of the exactly. mistakes I did. <laughs> So I didn't have to work on the, on the case. The case studies were the real life and I fucked up a lot of them. <laughs> so then you can uh, uh, know what not to do the next time. Uh, yes. and, well, and I think soon enough, you know, uh, your company will then probably be like a case study in one of those schools. I mean, I've seen that happen so many times with all these entrepreneurs. It's just like they don't do the classes, but, you know, you go there and you kind of tell people the story. It's it's not it's a negative thing. I think it does fit a certain profile. 
and it is a it is a good thing and i uh i very much appreciate many of the relationships i've built by just being around that ecosystem it's just not for me and i uh but you know i i think that uh it has its place in 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 the world um and then uh so you before tech is even getting to like before tech so you were a professional investor in um, asset management, right? Uh, and you, uh, so how is that? Like, you, basically, I always like to, we always like to learn basically what was in your mind when you decided, okay, this is the career path I'm going to take when, once I graduate and why? Like, what was going in your mind? Yeah, so uh, this, this has both to do with like professionally, but also personally for me. Um, I started financial market investment banking first. And then uh, uh, doing M&As in, in, in New York. And then I uh, moved back to Brazil and I joined VELT. Uh, back then it was called M-Square as an analyst uh, for, uh, you know, investing in Brazilian equities. Uh, but as a fundamental investment, like value investing, Warren Buffett style, you have to research a lot. Um, you do a lot of research before you actually uh, buy a position in the company. You look at the stock as you're buying a stake on a business that you want to be a part of. So it's, it, it is, you know, basically, fundamentally speaking, understanding the business and knowing the people that are running the business, if you want to be part of that story. So you have to study everything that is happening with the business. And at the time, I was very lucky because Totus uh, was buying Datasu in Brazil, uh, so the largest competitor in ERP. And the discussion was, it was 2008, Pedro. So the discussion back then was how, you know, license-based models from ERP will survive the new SaaS model. So the, it was the beginning of SaaS and, you know, Salesforce was the case study back then. So you had to study what was happening in the U.S. with this, you know, the SaaS ecosystem, how, you know, companies were pricing, uh, you know, you, you were going to lose the license-based model and also the maintenance plus implementation, but you had a subscription, would you be able to break even back then? So in order to understand what could happen to TOTUS, I had to study what was happening to Salesforce in 2008. And then by looking into what was happening to Salesforce, the same like reports were also discussing Facebook, Uber, Groupon. Uh, and then I was like, whoa, I got like a beaten by this, you know, this bug that was always in my mind, you know, I, I continue at, you know, at M Square Velt, uh, looking into payment companies, Hedicar, Cielo. So, you know, I stayed there for six years, but back of my mind, I was always thinking, well, what is happening in this new market, this new ecosystem? You know, a lot of what I've understood about competitive advantages, how to, you know, create this barrier of entries, entrance, they were, they were being questioned. Uh, new models were uh, arising in the US. So I was like really, really curious to know more about it. And, and then when I looked in what I was doing, technically speaking, there were not many technology companies in Brazil, listed companies. So that was 2012, 2013, when I started questioning myself what I was doing. So there were like five companies 
that could be considered technology, but they're not actually tech. Yeah, it's still a problem today. I mean, you know, some of our friends uh, have already gone public, and now they're like the first ones out there. But it's still like quite a, it's quite scarce. But there there are more opportunities. Like there are like stone. There is more like technology based, and and, and it's a new model uh, uh, in terms of like execution. Shispe, you could say, you know, some combinations more tech now than it used to be, but it's also more, you know, more digital approach. But back then it was Totus Bematec, Links, Hedicar, and Cielo. So I was a little bit frustrated uh, that I wanted to have more exposure to this segment. And, and also, personally, I was going through this, you know, phase of like trying to understand, you know, my purpose here and, and trying to understand what I, you know, I, ha I had just achieved. So 2000, my, my, my big goal was I want to become a partner in a fund and, and I want to make a lot of money. So that was my first like motivation. And I, and I like to learn a lot. I always like, like I, I like to succeed in things, but my first motivation was I want to become a partner and I want to make a lot of money. So that happened quickly for me, gladly. And it was like, okay, quickly, like, to 20, you know, 26 year, years. And I was like asking myself, what's next? Uh, what's the next challenge? Uh, what, what do I want to do? What am I doing here? Am I building something and I'm, or just making money? Uh, and then that combination, looking at those stories. And of course, I only knew the surface. So I was like, I was reading the stories and, you know, the surface, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg. I was like, okay, I want to go to tech. I don't know how, but I want to do something in technology. So I decided to quit and then start looking for something. I don't like to, to you know, divide my, you know, my heart in different things. So I, I decided to, wow. to do this. So you cold, so you took cold turkey, quit, and you were like, I'm just going to figure out my life. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tech. So I was like, I quit saying, I'm going to tech, but I don't know what. And they're like, how? Ah, maybe a venture capital, maybe an MBA. That's where they make, I mean, maybe an MBA, maybe that. And then, you know, eventually I've been able to, to figure, it was like, it only took like three months for the opportunity to arise and then start building a genius back then. So when you... When you, you know, there's luck involved, of course, but when you're looking for something, when you're, you know, there working every day and studying, then it makes it easy for you to take oh, yeah. advantage. Oh, well, it's funny. So, I, you know, I, as you know, I just moved to Miami, so I still don't have a bunch of stuff on my walls. It's the last thing you kind of do. But I have this poster like back here that says, you know, luck is when, you know, preparation meets opportunity. So just like it's still on the floor, but it will be up there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. Exactly. It is. Um, That's it. And uh, so, but in terms of everything that you could do, you know, why not, for instance, I mean, you were a professional investor already, so you were like, all right, I'm going to start um, investing as well. But then, you know, um, as you were researching, instead of just uh, trying to raise a traditional fund, uh, eGenius, um, now Mar Ventures were both, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but venture builders, right? So maybe if you want to I mean, explain the difference between a venture builder and a venture, a regular fund and why you decided to actually start a venture builder versus just a traditional fund. Uh, I'll start ask, answering why and then explain the difference. But, you know, when I was leaving uh, Velt, uh, Mauricio questioned me about 
you know, why don't you try to build a fund? Why don't you try to be, you know, invest in companies? And when I was doing the research, what I realized, Pedro, is like a lot of the, you know, big names in venture capital, they have been entrepreneurs before. They felt the pain. They've uh, uh, learned through the process. Most of them completed a cycle. Uh, I didn't felt that I had any cap- not capability. I could learn the process, but I, I didn't feel qualified enough as in, an analyst sitting on a chair. You know, and, and, and I, lo- I love doing research, but you're basically sitting on a chair, you're reading a bunch of stuff, you talk to people, and then you make an opinion about something. And there's a lot of art about that. I love that the fact of you know, trying to understand what will happen, but you've never seated on the other side of the table. So how, how would I you know, discuss an opportunity with an entrepreneur if I'd never been in his shoes? How would I question his decisions, not even question his decisions, but even try to understand where the business was going if I never you know, uh, took part in, in, in creating a business? So I've, I've decided that, that, you know, that, that if I wanted to be more involved with technology, if I wanted to be a good investor uh, in the future, I wanted to have this experience, uh, you know, firsthand experience by building something. So that was one of the, you know, motivations personally for me to get involved with the, you know, builder project. And then the builder project was a combination of stupidity with uh, ambition. Uh, <laughs> so... I think we were a little bit arrogant back then. So we were like, okay, we have, let's, let's start something. So what can we start? So 2014 in Brazil, you know, there were not many startups solving many of the problems that Brazil had. So we could like do a brainstorm and then we could find six different businesses that could, that made a lot of sense. So, okay. And then we would look who is doing this business in Brazil, there was no startup. There was a lack of entrepreneurs with experience. And back then, we understood that there was a combination of experience. So me, Thales had done Easy Taxi, uh, Marcio, Arruda was from Rocket Internet. So we we're like, okay, we we know what we are doing. Uh, we didn't know shit. You know, you know something, but you didn't know shit. And then we're like, okay, so why don't we do all of our ideas? That's a great idea. You know, if you know, let's let's do a builder. Uh, you know, and and, and 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 later on, you know, we realized okay, we, we're probably the, the the only builder in the world that started without money. <laughs> so the builder model works. So the, the difference is that builder, the venture builder in the US, what, what is the difference between the venture capital and a builder? The builder, you you, you become a co-founder in in, in, in the process of uh, of launching a startup. You're not an incubator, you're not an accelerator, you actually take roles into the company, you have a structure within the venture builder, and then you launch the business together with the company, and you actually fund the early days of this business before uh, the business raising uh, raises the capital. So you, you take executive roles within the company, you help build part of the, 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 the initial process of the company, and then the company is able, the startup is able to raise its own capital and then you, you would start, uh, uh, how to say, releasing it to the market. So that was the concept. Uh, and then we were the first ones to do it without that much money. So well, the first money was my capital uh, that I was going to use in an MBA. So I've seeded uh, uh, the builder structure. So 
but we were starting several businesses at the same time with not enough capital. So it was very challenging. We had to work a lot uh, back then. So that was the combination. So we sold. And, and to be quite honest, most of the opportunities, I think all of the ideas we had, we didn't execute all of them, but all the ideas, I still have a deck, they became large businesses afterward that other people launched. So we were right about the opportunity of the market, the size of the market, which industries there were uh, opportunities for disruptions. Uh, but the fact is like, it's very challenging to do one business, one business. If you want to do more than one at the same time, you, you, you know, you have kind of like twice the complications. And then by doing many at the same time, you have a lot of uh, challenges. So it was very challenging. That's why I say it's a combination of ambition and stupidity. It ended up uh, uh, fine into this process. Uh, I still have to, to see the whole movie uh, to the end. I think it's still in the beginning of the story of MS Online. Uh, but the fact that there was a lot of effort involved and, and, and all me and all my partners, we had to work a lot to, to, to start with less money doing more Great. things. Yeah, I think yeah, some of the, I mean, the most well-known ones in, in the U.S. are probably Expa, uh, Atomic. But uh, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, I've no, I know. E-Founders is very large in the U.S., but they're from, from Europe. Oh, E-Founders are awesome. Also, I've, very... I've, uh, I've invested in yeah. um, Aircall. That they, um, that they, um, yeah, yeah. We, were, yeah. we were the first U.S. investors for them at the seed round. Uh, now I think that they've, they're like probably nearly maybe 20 million ARR sex companies doing really well, but uh, the, the, they are very good. I think eFounders is the one of the few that really cracked the code, uh, in a way where the yeah, founders yeah. continue to be aligned with them four or five years down the road. Uh, I I don't think that that's the case uh, for others. I won't name names, but uh, knowing stories from other founders, where the issue I think with the venture builder model in some ways is that you know you are you are hiring you find you have to find the hired guns for the entrepreneurs that are going to kind of like run the businesses, and usually it's this combination of like skin in the game that could be disproportional that then when success comes, because everyone has to work hard, it's never easy. So, uh, but then, you know, you start with far less equity. Uh, that was mainly probably the problem of rocket internet in the old days, right? Where we have 5%, 10% of the company and, uh, and it seems very attractive because from day one, you get to have this massive salary, but they don't, but people don't understand that ultimately like what really, really has, has it's carried interest in um, equity in businesses, right? Like you, I mean, cash is just a way for you, you know, and when you, and what like you said, when you become a partner at 26 at one of the best hedge funds in the country, uh, then you kind of solved all of your money problems and, you know, and then what, right? So it's actually easy to figure out how a way to solve all of your money problems. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say easy, but like, if you want it, you'll find a way, uh, right? Uh, I mean, I did not grow up with a lot of money and, you know, it took me about eight years, but, you know, like if, if I wanted to, I could retire and I will never retire. But, uh, you know, so, so there's a way, I guess, like it's not easy, but there's always a way. Uh, um, and, you know, if you think about like this misalignment, like how did you guys manage? Like what, so you, you start, you did start the five companies and, you know, they were underfunded. But then, you know, you had different successes along the way, right? And certainly Remessa was the most successful out of all of them. So what was the story? 
uh, across even focusing, managing resources, you know, throughout the way and how are things today, basically? Yeah. So, you know, the first, the first thing that we did was we didn't have control and uh, we wanted to have not a very relevant stake. We had a re larger stake than a venture capital, but not as other builders that were actually hiring executives that had, you know, 5%. So that's, oh, that's that great. Was the first thing we did. So in all the companies, so the other companies we, we you know, we've, we started, we ended up, you know, having a minority stake but still larger than a venture capital would be. And, and we paid for this additional equity with a lot of sweat. And so there was a lot of work. So, you know, my partners, you know, co-founders, they ended up becoming, you know, full-time within the companies. And that's what ended up happening with me at Hemesa. So I became, you know, after 2018, I was already spending, you know, 90% of my time at Hemesa Online. And then, you know, full-time since then, uh, 2019. So uh, there was a lot of, you know, concentration, but in the beginning, you know, there was some uh, activities they benefited from uh, this division that happened. So there was some, some synergies that would allow us not to be that focused. So for instance, I was doing, I was doing capital raising for, you know, and, and, and working kind of like a, this CFO of the company. So, I would, you know, ended up using my network, helping raise capital for, for the companies, uh, organizing the financial part, some synergy in the people department in the beginning, like helping, you know, find talent for all the companies was, there was some, you know, interesting facts that like you could, you could look for someone to, to work at the builder, but then you could, you know, okay, you could work in that company, you could work in that company. So there was some, some positive effects of that. Uh, in terms of time management, we, we did organize ourselves with, from the builder in, into teams that, would, that were dedicated to the builder, to the company, to each like a SWAT team, individually. Basically, but divided per company. Yeah, kind of like a squad. For, 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 for each company. And some, in, in the very beginning, the very, very early days, most of the re resources were shared. And then we understood that's not going to work. So in the second year, we, we changed that and then we created the squads. And then the resources that were shared were like more kind of like legal people and myself, but then the teams were already within. So for instance, Hamas Online, when it all started, uh, you know, from the beginning, like Marshall Williams, which now, you know, he's responsible for technology at, at Hemesa, he was there full time from the, from the first days, you know, helping developing the company. Fabio as well was there pretty much full time in the early days, helping, you know, Hemesa to be built up from the ground. And I've, as I mentioned, you know, since, since the beginning, I, I was the one who was at the beginning more between projects and then ended up being full-time. Um, so there's a lot of things that I've learned through this process and, and, and focus is definitely one of them. <laughs> uh, you know, that, you know, putting your energy, you know, with dedication to, to a project, it makes a lot of difference. Um, and also that the fact that, you know, it's very hard to align the interests when you have shared resources. 
So you have to be very careful what you're going to offer in this process because then you become kind of like a support area. And it's impressive how much value you could have just being strategic, like not with less resources being applied, but there's much more value when you, you, when you, you, you are able to find a tailor-made solution for the problem that the startup's having than to have something that is more standard that could work for all of them. So, so th th this is something that actually made me, uh, you know, uh, take the decision to, to focus. Uh, so since then, you know, very focused at Hamas Online. So what do you think that made Hamasa the most successful project out of the five ones that you guys were, were launching? If you had to look back and think about, uh, you know, and you have, in, and there could be internal circumstances as well as exogenous circumstances from the market itself and, you know, timing, right? Like in our world, timing matters a lot. Yeah, I think, I think it's always a combination. It's like when we look at the relative aspects, it, it looks like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to... Uh, uh, create this like comparison, but you know, I think Hamasa what had was, it was a huge market and nobody was addressing that pain point. So that's the first aspect, you know, so huge market, but also, you know, Pavani, uh, uh, the founder and CEO, he, he was very aware of the pain point. He had some previous experience with, you know, the, the financial aspects, but also developing. So he understood about you know, product. Um, he was very, very, and he is very driven. Like works a lot, workaholic to 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 solve that problem. So I think that was a you know something that that uh, helped a lot. And we, I think, we've been able to make the right decisions from the beginning in in, in some very complicated choice. So so from the beginning when we started, Pedro, the first. Before Hermes Online, the, the product was Bicambio. So we were working, like the, the MVP was working with uh, 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 paper money, delivering, you know, this uh, 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 money for people who was going what, to travel. And what is Hermes Online right? for those that are listening and don't know? Hermes Online today is one of the largest platform uh, for international transfers in Brazil. So we help companies and individuals in Brazil to transfer money abroad or receive money from abroad. So make international payments uh, with this. This is the functional aspect, but what we are doing is actually enabling those individuals and companies to have a global life. So we enable an individual to invest abroad, to pay for services from abroad, to, to travel, to pay for college, uh, to pay for rent, to receive from investments, to sell their SOPs. If you have SOPs in startups, you can sell them using Hermes Online to receive your money from abroad. Most of the companies are, you know, of course, structured abroad. Um, and then what we do for businesses is help the businesses to become global. So we allow businesses in Brazil to export services. So if you have a small company, you want to access a global market, uh, receiving dollars or receiving euros, you can use MS Online to, to you know, issue your invoice and receive the payments. Uh, and also, if you're paying for, for an, an, an import, if you want to import something from abroad, you can also use MS Online. If you're receiving money from a venture capital, you're a startup, you can use MS Online. So there's a lot of frictions 
into this process of doing a global transaction, uh, both in sending money out abroad, also receiving money abroad. So what MS Online is doing is removing those frictions, so creating a full digital process, but I'll, at the same time focusing in, in, in the experience to the, to the final customer. So our customers, they, they are able to do that online. They're able to do that in an easy process, like kind of like self-service process, and pay much less than what they would pay uh, uh, to traditional financial institutions to do these transactions. Um, so when we look at this whole solution, it seems, okay, it's easier just moving money away, but there is a lot of infrastructure uh, and there was a lot that was invested into the process of like understanding the pain point and solving that with technology. And, and, and that's where, you know, I think that the, the biggest difference when you ask like, what, what went right, we were able to, when, when we started, we, we, we could grow much faster if we were just focusing in acquiring customers. And then I'm going to, you know, have this average experience and then maybe later, you know, I'll be able to, to, to change the process. So we wanted to do both. So we, we focused from the beginning in understanding the pain point and investing in digitalizing the well, process. As a customer, I must say with, with Atman and previously as well, we want VC. I love the product. It's great. It works really well. And we continue to recommend it to all of our uh, investors or anyone that wants to move money around. And, uh, you know, and I mean that it, it is, it is a very, it works it. really well. And, uh, I know, yes. I know. And, and you have great uh, customer support as well, which is, uh, which is so important. I think that people don't realize, right? Like just, uh, uh, or, or they do, right? Like when you really want to move money around the world, how slow it is. And it's this hidden process as if kind of like you send an international wire. I wonder if there's just like a room full of people, you know, like the old like telephone connectors connecting these wires to make sure what the fuck happens. Because it's just like sometimes it takes a long time and people are like, oh, give me the swift code. Let me trace the wires. It's, uh, it's, it's such an antiquated process. It's, it is, it's crazy. It is, yes. And that's what we're trying to do. We want to be able to do global business one click away. So we want, you don't want to know what's happening. You just want to be able to move your money to receive your, your payment uh, with one click. Uh, but you have to solve all the, of course, not only uh, uh, you know, the, the infrastructure part, but there's a lot of compliance, a lot of KYC. You, you, you have to do that by not only... Uh, uh, facilitating the process, but doing that in accordance with the regulation. So that's what we we've spent a lot of time in understanding on how we could improve yes. the process to be more secure than the, than the traditional process. You know, instead of you know asking for a specific documentation, can we validate that online? Can we check for inconsistencies? Can we be safer than the traditional way, but still be better? And, and, and there was a lot of effort in, in doing that. And, and I think that's what makes us very different uh, in, in the market because we gained a lot of expertise in how to actually be able to translate the complications in the regulatory environment to a simple process, but we do all the checks. We comply with all of them. And I, I do respect those companies that look for a solution that they wanna just go around 
you know, the, the, the legislation or they want to just not, you know, they're just looking for other uh, ways of uh, facilitating the process. And, and, and there is, of course, uh, there's merit in that. And, and, and most of times they, they are able to even change the process, the regulatory process, because they've, they found out, you know, an easier way. And we do that as well, that we can, when we find something that, you know, doesn't make sense to be asked for, and then we can do it safer and, 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 and still complying with the regulatory part by doing it uh, uh, with a new process, and then we suggest that to the regulator to to improve the process as well. But you know what what made the difference for us, I think, was a lot of the focus in in you know we want our customers to be happy. So we did a lot for the customers. You know, back in the days when we were delivering money, there's like funny stories about how even like some people know Pavani personally because of you know the, the, the deliveries that he did. Because there was a problem with the the you know the the broker firm that was responsible for doing the deliver, and, and actually Pavani and Stefano back then you know they 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 there were a couple of times that they would receive the money, and they would like deliver by themselves to all the customers in order to the customer even going to the airport. There is a story that you know this this our customer was going to travel, and then when he 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 reached. Uh, he, he, the delivery was missed by the brokerage firm. So he was going to the airport and he was not going to have the money for his trip. So uh, 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 we got Stefano. Stefano hiked on a motor bike from, from one of those like delivery guys, paid the guy to take him to the airport. And then he went, you know, by motorcycle to the airport to deliver the money to the customer so that the customer could fly and have his money. So, and, and because of that, back then, it, it looks like those small stories, but back then there was a problem in, specifically in, in that week that people were not able to deliver. So a lot of our competitors, so when you create something new, there was all these websites that were offering like six months after we, we, we started, they were offering the same experience. Oh, okay, we want to be able to do that. But we, we, from the beginning, we were applying a lot of technology to facilitate the process, but also a lot of focus in customer service. So there was this turning point where we, we, we've created something that was unique. People are like, okay, this is the best service that you have. And then the decisions we made, like, okay, the international transfer market, huge. So that's when we're going to focus. The individuals, they want a simple process. So we've took risks to invest in enabling more functionalities, enabling better experience, even though, you know, there was a lot of traction going on on this side of the business that we wanted to be able to, to move to this whole functional aspects of international transfer. So there's, I think, a few times in our stories that we made this decision as we did now with the B2B and that made the whole difference for us to uh, be that's great. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there, but I love the story of, I think every good company, you always have these crazy doing things that don't scale type of our stories. Uh, do you still deliver cash today for folks? Like, no, not anymore, right? No. Yeah. Not anymore. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, so 
And uh, you and Pavani, you guys have known each other for about 15 years now? More I than think that. more than yes. that. When did you guys uh, meet? How was this? What's the story behind your relationship? So we, we met in college before I went to University of Chicago. So Pavani started also in IBMAC. Uh, so back, back then we didn't connect that much. It was after I came back from University of Chicago. So, so I know him from college. Also, in college, you know, uh, we both surfed, so it was easier. You know, we had that in common. He, he surfs as well, so we, you know, we had this in common. So we we're discussing about surfing. We did a surf trip together then, and uh, but then after we got back, after I got back from University of Chicago, we ended up that my my one of my friends from college became his is now his wife, Maira. So you know, back then we were all you know, hanging out together. Uh, and then we really connected and uh, it was back in 2007, 2006, when we, you know, started to reconnecting back then. And, and then, then we, there's a lot of stories, like a lot of trips that we did, you know, that's when we, you know, we, we had this story on, you know, we were traveling through California uh, together. And then, you know, I had already my, my, my Chase account because I had worked in the US. So, you know, you know, let's use the, you know, Alexander's Chase account to pay for the trip. It's going to be easier that way. Uh, but then we wanted to just, you know, the money from my account, uh, 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 we spent all the money. So I wanted to send a new uh, uh, transfer. Uh, and that was like 2012, 2011, 12. And we couldn't be, we couldn't do it because we were at the U.S. There was no option for us to, you know, start a transfer in Brazil to send the money to my account there. Uh, so that, that also something that marked us back then. So when Pavani, he came to me in 2015, when I was starting, you know, you know, the, 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 the venture builder project that was already in the first year of the venture builder. And he was like, okay, there's something that, you know, we both understand there's a huge pain point. And he came back with this research as a 20 page research on, and how the size of the market, like, so, you know, the, what's the opportunity in the international transfer market. It was actually, I, ha I still have it today with me, the, the first paper that he did to explain to me the, the, the pitch of what the MS Alliance nice. would be. Very nice. Um, so I want to change gears completely. So, you know, I think you've, uh, when I met you, uh, you were a different uh, pen size. And then, uh, <laughs> but it's it's very admirable in my you know for me right now I um, I hit like a peak weight during the pandemic of like two hundred and six pounds and now I'm like I'm one ninety eight my ideal weight is probably one seventy eight uh, so uh, I I have a goal for like hitting that at, on the first week of September so I'm losing about a pound a pound and a half a week which it's doable and very sustainable. Uh, but you have to completely change your relationship with alcohol and food. And um, that also unlocks other different superpowers. So uh, for what, what was the moment that you um, realized, look, like I might not be having the healthiest habits right now. I'm not treating myself with the right amount of empathy and love for me. And I want to change. Yeah, it, it is. It, it seems like it was a click, like moment but it was i think a combination of factor that that led me to this decision um so you know i i, I always was i i've been always like kind of like overweighted so i'm like 
probably now 40 pounds below what was my top wow. uh, you lost weight. 40 pounds amazing. but uh, well, amazing you I, lost 40 uh, pounds 40 pounds is a lot of weight like if you just grab 40 a 40 pounds. pound kettlebell so, and imagine carrying that on your waist yeah and then you can exactly and and it makes a lot of difference for for a lot of things in in my life now but back then you know i, I was not paying much attention to that so I, i was i had this like work hard party harder uh kind of like framework but you know but party harder also like you know not taking a lot of care of my body uh but you know remember when i mentioned that you know the part of my decision to you know leave you know the fund and, and become an entrepreneur was also personal uh it had to do with like this you know questioning that i was going through in, in understanding the purpose and you know kind of searching for more like a spiritual meaning to to all of this you know things that were happening and then that's when i started the journey but i still started uh, uh you know working in 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 the process of like okay i need to take care better care of myself but i i wouldn't apply that it takes a lot of discipline but it kind of like something clicked about two years ago in my mind was was like really subtle but it was i think a combination of all the things that i was reading the meditations i went to a, you know a lot of retreats uh, uh and 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 in all of those process, they kind of I came back to what I wanted to become in terms of like how I wanted to to treat myself uh, if I was as productive as I, as I could be, you know, the, all this uh, uh, friction, uh, let's use a term that we understand, into this process, like you work a lot, but then, you, you know, you, you party a lot, but you have all this this energy that you spend like recovering from the party and then you know you you eat a lot because of some frustration on i don't know and then you know have all this extra weight carrying with you to do sports and then something clicked and then it was two years ago i first started like stopping drinking and then i started like paying a lot of attention and even researching about food Uh, the quality, not eating processed food, trying to eat more like natural food. And then one thing led to another. And then, you know, I ended up doing like a, you know, a, a Olympic triathlon, like nice. two months ago. That's excellent. So, so, so in the pandemic, you, you reached the peak. In the pandemic, I reached my, my, I think it was the peak of my performance, but I still want to reach back again uh, because I, I had uh, uh, children Uh, yeah. my son was born in November so since November I've reduced the training but uh, my peak was last year and it was a combination of this you know wanting to have better life uh, wanting to perform better uh, and also being able to to you know wake up every day and then you wake up and you say fuck I'm no I'm I I'm on. I'm full performance today. I, you know, I'm, I, I feel great. I don't feel something is holding me back. You know, I can do, you know, I can train and I feel great. I can, you know, work a lot and then, you know, I have energy for that. Um, so, and a lot of that is related to the, you know, the balance between, you know, 
uh, body, you know, your mind, and, 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 and your soul, of course, like the, what they mentioned. So this, this balance, it's very important. So changing my habit in, in food That's great. is very important. What, uh, so what is your relationship with alcohol today? Two years later, 40 pounds. I'm, I'm, to... I'm more flexible now than I was. So, so it started with, okay, I'm, I'm not going to drink for two months, nothing. Uh, and then w- once I've, I've done it, I ended up being one year and a half without even like touching alcohol, pro- probably. It was like, I, I didn't drink at all. Uh, now I'm, of course, already not proven to, not only proven to myself, but I understand the benefits. So I've, I, I like to have a glass of wine if I'm in an environment that People are having a glass of wine. I will have a glass of wine. I will have maybe a sake when you know eating sushi, uh, but I'm not going to to intoxicate to get drunk. So I haven't been intoxicated, let's say, drunk in alcohol for two years and that's great four months. I, I look. Now. I think that if anyone wants to start a healthy lifestyle and lose a lot of weight and really connect with, um, with, you know, infinite intelligence, God, this bigger picture of like the realization of what makes you, you and why are we here is stop drinking. It is by far the number, at least for me, the number one habit trigger because when you drink more, you will do worse. You, you just make stupid decisions across the board. You might waste your energy, you know, by, I don't know, having meaningless sex. You might waste your energy and then you're tired the next day and then you eat junk because like, you know, when you wake up and you've got a little bit of a hangover, you crave something crunchy and salty or something really sweet and you're not operating at your best. And, you know, for the type of work that we do, there's no room for that. And, and I think we are all aware of what excellence means and what excellence is. And how much you have to work towards getting there. So I, I, I believe that the relationship that we should all have with, with drugs overall, and this means caffeine, and it could mean sugar, it could mean alcohol, it could mean, you know, pot, it could mean psychedelics. Like it should be a very like one of moderation. Uh, I mean, there are certain things that you should never try and never do, but um, for the most part. Uh, what you've said, I think it's the it's, it's the perfect type of relationship one, in my opinion, should have with alcohol, which is basically kind of like you have it, but you don't intoxicate yourself with it. And that is hard because the propaganda of what alcohol is supposed to mean in our lives ever since we were kids is something that is so sad of how they indoctrinate all of us. And, you know, of course, you, I think, you know, you, you and I believe in individual sovereignty and personal responsibility. But when you do the math, I'm like, oh, since you were 18, 17 until now, for how many weeks were you, you did not drink? And I, re, and I recall, I was like, oh, my God, I might have had a drink every single week for the last 12 years. I was like, Jesus. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think we're supposed to, to live that way. And, and, and just, you know, it, it is like when you take it off and then you realize what, what that, how much better. I, I, and I do, again, you know, I'm not uh, radical to a point where I say 
it works for everyone. I think people are able to have a balance. Um, some people say it doesn't impact me that much. I'm able to continue to do and, and you know, I, I definitely admire uh, those people. But for me specifically, individually speaking, the impact was so negative of the hangover, of this side effects, as you mentioned, you know, okay, you wake up, you, you know, you don't feel motivated and then you end up, you know, eating trash because, you know, you're feeling like shit or, you know, poor choices you made while you were drunk. Uh, <laughs> so, so that combination for me didn't work. So, uh, and, and after I stopped, I've, I've ended up discovering all this other side. So for instance, like there are things that happened with me, like in the past two years that, you know, I could describe before that I was high, but I was sober as hell. So the, 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 what I felt, I felt like so like good at that moment, so like joyful, looked like I was like, I took like MDMA, but it was not like that. I was high as fuck of that's, sober. That's great. No, I, I think the yogis it. they they and, they and talk a lot about that, and I, uh, I've I have felt that, and I felt that only after I stopped. Like I, it, it was impressive because it was like it was like this, you know, like biking. I started cycling. I was like biking, and then it was like Campos do Jordão, and I was like looking at the mountain, and then like, like I, I saw the sun in a specific way. I was like, fuck, and then like I even cried. I was like, oh, this is so amazing look at life and i was like sober just cycling and and i had this effect many times last year and 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 for me shows this this evidence that you mentioned like how you can be more connected you can be better you know more aware of the present when you have less interference with your with not only i would say alcohol but also the thoughts you know, the noise, anxiety. So drugs in, in your own mind you, you take this, can, can disconnect you from this process as well. Not only like alcohol, but and yeah, food. I mean, food alcohol. in many ways, you know, they're also a, a drug, right? Like they're, they're more, you're, you're, uh, you're craving something warm, crunchy. It's just be craving a pizza, right? Like you, or you want like a nice little like, and then every time you eat these types of food, uh, I come, I almost feel like I put my body into this weird coma. You know, you just, you, you go to a different stage that is not really productive, but what you're talking about, um, you know, before moving to Miami, I spent about three weeks as I was, uh, transitioning in, uh, Muir woods and the energy of the redwoods, but that's the energy of any forest, any nature, right? Like in every day I would go fully fasted on a long hike in the woods and I have gotten, uh, some very interesting highs and and um, and and semi like hallucinogenic like experiences with no drugs, um, and that was uh, it's amazing because uh, you know I think that once people realize they don't need drugs to get high on life, um, I think it can be very powerful. It does take time, and it's a process, and it's not like all right, like now I'm going on my hike and it's gonna happen. Uh, there are a combination of things for that to happen. 
but uh, but I I completely understand what you're talking about. I've uh, I have also cried by myself in nature, or just feeling the ecstasy of life, and it's different, right? It's difficult to understand how to like how to how to describe that for uh, for 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 someone. But you know, for me, it was I was walking, and I just felt like sitting in like looking at this waterfall, and I sat there, and what felt like twenty minutes were actually almost three hours and I didn't really like you kind of lose consciousness of like what's the time and space and you're just there fully integrated it's uh, it's it's quite interesting very yes I know yes. what you mean <laughs> it's, difficult to, it's difficult to describe yes but it's amazing and and and, and it, it is and 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 another uh, positive part of it is that it doesn't get you hangover yeah exactly <laughs> and it's free you know, you feel better. It's free. You feel great, and it's actually longer. The effect, as you mentioned, so you, you you've probably felt it for three hours when you're there, but the effect that it had on your mind lasted probably like one or two or three, four days that you felt like, you know, you you felt re-energized by yeah. the process. and it needs to, it needs to be a so sustainable you, process as well. I think that when um, you know, this, uh, the, there's that Indian uh, yogi guru, uh, Sadguru, uh, you know that guy? Uh, Sadguru, you know, have you heard of him? Yeah, I've heard yeah. of him. And he's yeah. talking about the difference between, you know, I guess the organic uh, realization when, you know, you open up your pineal gland and you've just, you do feel this uh, deep connection with nature and God versus, for instance, trying that through uh, psilocybin, you know, mushrooms or ayahuasca or, or any of these things. And then he, and what he says, and he compares is basically kind of like, if you do take these drugs, it's as if, you know, for one day you haven't, you know, you're a billionaire, <laughs> but then once the effects like wear off, you continue to just be where you were. Um, and then for a lot of people, that transition is just very hard. Uh, and, uh, for, for, for others, it unlocks a bunch of different things where it, stop it makes you want to stop you completely stop the old habits and then you get to a more sustainable path towards your personal growth and, and, and evolution and um you know so so it's interesting i think that um many of the entrepreneurs that that that, that i know that you know you know many of our common friends uh you, you after you make a little bit of money and then you realize okay what's more to this right like it's it doesn't really matter i'm not going to be buying like if i buy more cars or more watches or better wines like none of that that's all expedient it doesn't really bring me peace and, and actual happiness right uh and uh, so so i think it's admirable man i i if there's you know i i really congratulations because for like losing 40 pounds is no joke i um so so that's that you know that's really awesome Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes. Uh, all right. So, you know, um, the, what do you think is going to be the future of, of, uh, of Hemesa and, and then, and then how do you see this third wave of uh, crypto boom, I guess, and evolution that we're seeing right now. And, uh, if there's a fit there or not, yeah. yeah well, uh, very, very distinct questions. The, 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 the third one is, I think the, the second one is harder to, to, maybe explain or even, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, about the future of Hemesa. You know, we, we just finished like working on the functional aspects of send and receive. So pretty much, you know, in the process of like doing an international transfer, you have a lot of friction. 
So we solve that with Hamas Online, but we want to do much more for our customers. They want more. They want an international life. They want access to global financial service. So, so that's the next step for us. We want to be able to serve them not only with the transfer process, but also with more than just international transfer. So global wallet, especially for, for the small and medium-sized businesses. So we're talking about you know, small entrepreneurs, designers, developers, uh, uh, small companies that want to have access uh, uh, to more uh, uh, exports. They want to be able to collect this money abroad. They want to have an international you know, credit card. They want to be able to hedge their current exposure. They want to be able to have uh, uh, credit associated with their international receivables. So there is all those services that we can do to help those small companies to expand globally. That's where we're moving to. And with our platform, we're also enabling our APIs, opening our APIs uh, uh, to increase the integration so in the case of small companies, to integrate with the ERP, uh, to integrate with their accounting process, uh, for so we can simplify their lives, not only the, the transactional part, but everything related to the, to the international transfer. And for the individuals, so we can be able to integrate with other uh, wallets. So we can able to give access uh, to other customers that are not our customers yet, uh, to process their international transfers within our platform. Um, so as we move forward here, we want to become this you know, global ecosystem that will facilitate the retail in Brazil, both individuals and companies in Brazil, to have access to global Great. financial services. Um, and then, well, we can talk about crypto or not, it's up to you. <laughs> no, crypto, it's... it's uh, uh, tricky. Um, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of potential. Um, very, very bullish and optimistic about Bitcoin. Uh, and I do see uh, user case for crypto also uh, with international transfers. Uh, specifically when you talk about, you know, all this uh, you, you, working capital that is required to do pre-funding. So there's a lot, a lot of inefficiencies within uh, uh, the global banking system balance sheet uh, that they have in terms of like pre-funded accounts uh, when you were able to move money faster or move the asset faster together with the messaging system so when you were able to okay communicate that you have a transfer uh, to this financial institution abroad but you also move the asset quicker uh, you're able to, to release all this pre-funded cash that is used and reduce the friction. So I do see uh, crypto coming in as a part of the infrastructure for international transfers. I don't see it replacing international transfer by itself. As I mentioned before, there's a lot of like uh, requirements in terms, in terms of like compliance and KYC there is required, especially when you're talking about companies in Brazil, you have you know, tax related issues uh, uh, when you're importing or exporting goods. So the process, the onboarding process uh, uh, and the registration process probably will improve but remain uh, uh, quite the same in terms of validations that you need to be doing. But when you are able to use the crypto infrastructure for international transfers, I think will facilitate the process. 
Um, so that's specifically to MS. So when you talk about crypto as a whole, there's a lot of other applications to blockchain. Uh, when you talk about Bitcoin as, you know, as an investment you know, possibility, as people are discussing a lot or all the other cryptos, I'm more skeptical about when people get very excited about all of those other, you know, crypto currencies that, you know, have no application or even like uh, 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 any subsidy. And then again, for instance, I am an investor of Bitcoin, but only Bitcoin today. Uh, and, 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 and there's a specific belief that I have about this specifically asset class of Bitcoin. Um, but in general, so I'm skeptical about when you see a lot of those price performance, then you see, you know, even like Dogecoin, like, you know, Skyhub rocketing. So it, it was a joke. What happened with Doge is insane. Uh, I mean, it lost 21% today, but it got it's insane. Like, and then even you hustle. have Elon Musk saying it is a hustle. Catcher, of course, yes. And, 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 and then, you know, of course, now probably with all the cash that, you know, they have, they probably are trying to do something with what it was at, at the beginning, a joke. So they're probably trying to develop something out of like Dogecoin, but, you know, it's, yep. why would you need it? That's insane. Had you, you bought Bitcoin? Doge January 1st, you would have made, and, and today, like maybe yesterday, you would have made 11,000%. Today, you would have made 7,000%, but still 7,000% in five months. Uh, it, it's it's insane. Yeah. And, and, and I'm happy for those that that, that, that did it. And, and, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of those effects when you, when you have, uh, there's other opportunities or other moments in where that happened. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, people shouldn't invest. I think it, everyone is like uh, um, independent and, and probably old enough. I'm, I'm just worried about like when some people that don't even understand what is happening they ended up buying it just because of the hype. And then, of course, it goes up because you have more demand uh, uh, than you have uh, uh, in terms of supply at, at that short term. And then the market changes and then people lose money because they don't understand or there is no fundamental to all this uh, uh, price performance. Um, so specifically, I prefer to stick with Bitcoin, which I'm yeah. bullish for the long well, run. Yeah, I've, I've been investing in it for the last six years. So start buying Ethereum at like 25 cents. Now it's $4,000 and, you know, Bitcoin was like $30 when I started. And it's, uh, you know, it, I am uh, now as a Florida resident, I am considering selling about like a, about a third of everything I have in crypto just to diversify a little bit more because the gains in the last six months, like it, it's good, but I've done this at every time, you know, when you hit 19,000 back then, like every time that it hits this like thing that feels really picky and bubbly. Uh, I mean, by the time that it's a joke and Saturday night live and that isn't like really fluctuating the, the price, you want to be... I believe in all theses, and I will always continue to hold it. But uh, I'm also uh, diversification is also good to preserve, right? Like you know, I think you want to create wealth. You should have. Um, it's the opposite of diversification. Diversification is a good way to preserve it. And I think with all the gains, it's good to start just preserving some of them. 
not 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 that I that I think that the dollar is any more real than anything else for me. They're all just illusions, but that's a whole not that could just lead, lead us to to like uh, we can go into yeah, the Alan yeah. Watts like rabbit hole of money, but the, the, you know that would be we would need like a, a few more hours. <laughs> but uh, you know, so but to, you know, always you know to wrap it up as well. I always like to end you know with some like rapid fire questions, and one of them is just understanding um, if you could plan like your day to like a perfection. Like, what's your morning routine? Uh, how does that look like? Because you just had a kids, but never and congratulations Currently, for that. So that yes. yeah, but 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 I, thank you very much. But I I've been able to actually add him, uh, you know, to the routine. Uh, not exactly. You know, sometimes it doesn't uh, 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 work out very well, but pretty much I wake up around 4.30 uh, with him. Uh, then I, you know, if I stay with him a little bit, probably half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, you know, sometimes in bed, he's wake, awakened, or he, if he wants to get out, I'll, I'll, you know, play a little bit with him. And then I start graduating to, to train. Um, so pretty much... Um, you know, take, uh, uh, um, you know, my supplements, you know, take my morning shot. My whole preparation takes wow. about 30 what, minutes. What do you take? Like what, a, what's the, what's the Uzi cocktail? Take a lot of natural substances, <laughs> <laughs> but I start with like, uh, 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 you know, warm water, uh, uh lime juice, uh, uh, yeah, curcuma. Curcumin. I yeah, I do that as well. I do a turmeric curcumin thing with water. Yeah. Uh, le- yes, turmeric curcumin, uh, propolis, um, and then uh, ginger. Uh, so that's a first, and then uh, uh, and then I, uh, glutamine as well, and then it depends on the training that I will do. I will take something, you know, and I like to do mixes. I'll take like ma- black maca, uh, ginseng. Creatine, cacao powder, uh, guarana, cipó, uh, and then you know, sometimes like a kind of like a carb preparation that uses like kind of like grapefruit, uh, and you can potato. So there's specifically carbs that help you uh, uh, work out, but I vary a lot of those combinations. Um, spirulina, spirulina, I I don't know how to say in English, spirulina, um, so I I have all of those and then I vary them, uh, uh, during the morning and then I'll go work, work out. Uh, uh, if I buy, if I'm biking, it's two hours. So from six to 8 AM, uh, if I'm training it's from 6.30 to 7.30 AM, uh, then I'm, you know, prepared to, to start my meetings. Uh, I start my work at nine o'clock, but I read the news before them, uh, organize my email, organize my day. Then I have a meeting, probably nine to 10, and, nine, and, 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 and 10 to 10 30 is my alignment meeting, meetings. Then I do my work, I have three times that I, I book in my agenda. I try to meditate at 12.30, almost every day. Uh, now I'm doing three, three times a week like scheduled meditations, to be honest. And then if I don't have the, the scheduled meditation, I try to do it quickly. Um, and then my afternoon, it's really hard to prepare. I don't know. I don't have a plan. It, it depends on, you know, if I'm in a funding process, it depends if what, what are the demands. 
I'll have different types of work around the afternoon. So, but I work from like 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. like straight. Now I take a break at 6.30 to give bath to, to, my, to my son, to Gabriel. And then 9 o'clock I'll stop, read something, and try to be at bed at 10. <laughs> because I need to start over at 4.30 Very nice. a.m. again. Sometimes it starts at, so that's why I said that's, that would be the perfect day. But what is happening is sometimes it's starting at 3.30 because he's waking up a little bit early. And then I have help sometimes. Um, but I, I do train every day. I only rest uh, probably Sunday. Uh, but sometimes like it's an active rest, like playing tennis or something. Um, and I try, even if it's raining, I try to do it, you know, you know, I, have, I, I like to wake up and do, you know, exercise. That's how I start my day. It's, I start That's much great. better that way. Uh, awesome. Uh, Alexander, thank you uh, for your time. It was, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure. And I uh, hope to, you know, see you soon in person when, uh, I mean, I'm back in, 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 in Brazil. But I appreciate your time today. Thank you. No, probably I'll be visiting you in Miami before then. You know, hopefully things will get better and be able to, 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 to be there and it will be easier to travel. I want to be there visiting the ecosystem. Really excited to know how, how it's quite amazing. Uh, what's happening here right now is, uh, is very special because the, I, I think Miami right now is basically it's the capital capital is the largest arbitrage opportunity in, you know, the Western world right now by far. You know, San Francisco, I mean, I've lived there for nine years. I've been here only for two and a half weeks. But the the um, the excitement that you have around this place and everyone wants to collaborate and get things done is, is, is remarkable. This time, I don't think it's just a, like a pandemic joke because the amount of people that you are that, that I have met uh, that are extremely successful and powerful that are staying here and enrolling their kids in local schools is massive. So there are about like 300 or 400 people that have a long-term plan with this part of the world. And frankly, when you realize with this, you know, the pandemic was really what made this place possible for tech because then now you can live this hybrid life. You know, I continue to have a place in Palo Alto and Atman has an office there, but um, I will be going there every six weeks or so and that's it. And you can totally like continue to do the things that you could do in the Bay Area by just doing that. You don't have to be based there anymore. Just a life here. Is far better. Is way more diverse. Um, you know, people are nicer. They're prettier. Um, you have more sunshine. Uh, better taxes. It's kind of like it's a it's a far better plan, in my opinion. But this is not to put California down. I'm I'm very grateful for the time I've had there, and uh, you know, I, I learned tremendously. I just think that it got to a point where it's a net negative just to live there, primarily because of how much it costs and what you get in return. I mean, you know, you and I, we grew up in Sao Paulo. My mom has been kidnapped twice in Sao Paulo. And there were moments where I was like a little more afraid of my personal security in San Francisco. I mean, what these left-wing governments did to California is, is just quite disappointing. And I think it's, uh, for me, it makes, it's difficult to see myself eventually, you know, I want to get married and have a kid and have a few kids. And then... Uh, I don't see myself doing that in, in California. I just, you know, 
it's just it's, it's it's tough it continue to be a very special place and i would do a lot of business there and i love silicon valley and all my friends there but uh but uh, but yeah it, it, it's a it, it's sad it's a shame it's a, so such a beautiful place you know a lot of like nature great you know outdoor uh activities but a little bit far away from from here a little bit different uh, uh you know time uh, uh but time zone but yeah it is a shame what happened i know you gotta Pedro, go thank, thank you, you so much, much we really yes valeu